Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive into the updates, interviews, and yes, processes that will help your organization thrive. My name is Rami Alijil, and my goal is to help HR managers and business owners create an environment where their people are their organization's competitive advantage. Today's episode, we're going to do a deep dive into gender identity discrimination and the HR functions and laws surrounding it. New legislation is recently passed in New York, and we're discussing whether it's a harbinger of new laws across the nation. Oh, and don't forget, we post to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and I would love to hear from you on there with any questions. You can also subscribe to us by going to peopleprocesses.com, where you will receive special subscriber-only content for free. People Processes is also available wherever you get your podcast, and it syndicates on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher Radio. The New York State Assembly has again passed the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act, GENDA, G-E-N-D-A. Assembly Speaker Carl Hesty announced on May 7th, the legislation would prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity or expressions in considerations of employment, education, and in consumer credit and housing. The bill would also add offenses motivated by gender identity or expression to the hate crime statute. That's section A3358 uh, from Gottfried. Quote, the assembly majority believes that everyone has the right to live free of harassment and discrimination, said Speaker Hesty. The legislation extends clear legal protection to individuals who have, left, who have been left vulnerable for far too long. Continuing the quote, transgender people whose gender identity, appearance, behavior, or expression differs from their genetic sex at birth face discrimination in housing, employment, public accommodation, and other areas of life, and they are particularly vulnerable to hate crimes, said Assembly member Richard N. Gottfried, Assembly sponsor of Genda. Quote, it's an embarrassment to New Yorkers that 19 states and the District of Columbia have enacted laws bearing discrimination on the basis of gender expression or identity, while Ginda can't even get a vote in our state Senate. Adding gender expression and identity to the human rights and penal laws will give the community proper recognition, protection against repeal of the regulations, and add protection under the state's hate crimes law. To give you some background, 19 states, the District of Columbia and the District of Columbia, and on top of that, 157 cities and counties in the United States, including the cities of Albany, Buffalo, Ithaca, Rochester, Syracuse, and New York, and the counties of Albany, Suffolk, Topkins, and Westchester, have passed gender-inclusive civil rights legislation. Today's legislation that was passed in the New York um, uh, Assembly... would ensure that all transgender New Yorkers have secure, lasting protection against discrimination, according to the law. Since 2008, and this is a key, the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act has passed the Assembly 10 different times. Quote, today's legislation would close a gap that has left many New Yorkers vulnerable for far too long, said Assembly member Deborah Glick. Quote, the cities and counties all across the state have stepped up and recognized the importance of protecting transgender individuals from discrimination, and it's long overdue that the state guarantees these basic human rights for all transgender New Yorkers. Although not specifically stated in the statute, effective January 20th, 2016, the New York State Division of Human Rights adopted a resolution. It's called 9NYCRR 466.13, also just called 9NYCRR prohibiting discrimination and harassment against transgender individuals. The regulation clarifies how gender identity may constitute either sex discrimination or disability discrimination under the New York Human Rights Law. 
this regulation spe specifies that discrimination on the basis of gender identity is sex discrimination. The term sex, when used in the human rights law, includes gender identity and the status of being transgender. Prohibitions contained in the human rights law against discrimination on the basis of sex in all areas of jurisdiction well, se where sex is a protected category also prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity or the status of being transgender. Harassment on the basis of the person's gender identity or the status of being transgender is sexual harassment. The difference is that passed, let me again, that's been in effect since January 20th, 2016. Assembly Bill 3358 proposes to amend the New York Executive Law, the Civil Rights Law, and the Education Law to specifically prohibit discrimination based on a person's gender identity or expression. And key, it would also amend the Penal Law and Criminal Procedure Law to include offenses regarding gender identity or expression within the contexts of offenses subject to or treated as hate crimes. Gender identity or expression would be defined to mean a person's actual or perceived gender-related identity, appearance, behavior, expression, or other gender-related characteristics, regardless of the sex assigned to that person at birth, including but not limited to the status of being transgender. <clears throat> if this passes, it puts into criminal law many of the effects put into place by the New York State Division of Human Rights 9 NYCRR that we discussed just a minute ago. Now, this is key to understand, because currently it's not criminal law, it's part of a civil rights tribunal, basically. The guidance on the resolution regarding the civil rights issue that's based under the NYCHRL prohibits discrimination in the terms and conditions of employment based upon gender identity or gender expression already. So, from the perspective of HR people, it's already not something you can do inside your company. This new law, if it passes, would simply add criminal liability as well as civil. These protections, like most prohibitions against discrimination on the basis of a protected category, apply to employment, housing, and public accommodations. Now, we're going to dive into the eight distinct categories of conduct that constitute unlawful discrimination on the basis of gender identity or gender expression that your company needs to be able to handle. The first one that's in the um, uh, guidance along with this, uh, not just this law, but the previous uh, uh, civil rights law that went into effect in January 20th, 2016, is failing to use an individual's preferred name or pronoun. The guidance takes the position that covered employers and entities are legally required to use an individual's preferred name, pronoun, and title, such as Mr., Mrs., or Mrs., Miss. Regardless of their gender at birth, their anatomy, gender, medical history, appearance, or the gender listed on their identification. It violates the NYCHRL to intentionally or repeatedly refuse to use an individual's preferred name, pronoun, or title, or to require that they provide court-ordered name change or certification in order to use their preferred name. An employer cannot refuse to call a transgendered woman by her preferred name, i.e. Alice, because her identification states her name is David. An employer may not require an individual to provide information about their medical history or proof of having undergone medical procedures in order to use their preferred name, pronoun, or title. You just have to use it from an employment perspective. That's a key thing. You need to be able to maintain those in your records, right? Don't, if, if someone, you know, comes in and lets you know this and wants to change it, you have to allow it, you have to use it, you have to update your records to do that. But there are other issues like EEOC filings that we've talked about in the past, along with, uh, uh, you know, federal W-2 and legal records that you sometimes have to get this information exactly right on. So you need to be able to track both sets of information. 
um, so that when you address a letter, it's correct. Uh, when you address a W-2, it has to meet certain legal requirements, of course. Number two, refusing to allow individuals to use single-sex facilities or programs consistent with their gender identity. The guidance provides that employers and businesses must permit individuals to use single-sex facilities, such as restrooms or locker rooms, and participate in single-sex programs consistent with their gender identity. The guidance clarifies that the law does not require employers or places of public accommodation to make existing restrooms unisex or construct additional restrooms. However, the guidance also clarified that objections by employees, customers, and program participants about sharing a facility with a transgender or gender nonconforming individual are not a lawful reason to deny that individual access to a single-sex facility. Violations of the NYCHRL include prohibiting an individual from using a facility or program because they are transgender, gender nonconforming, or do not conform to sex stereotypes, requiring a gender or, trans or, or gender nonconforming person to provide proof of their gender or identification showing a particular sex in order to access same-sex facilities or programs, barring such an individual from participating in a program or using a facility because they may make someone uncomfortable, or forcing such individual to use a single occupancy restroom. So, an employer or business open to the public cannot lawfully ban a transgender employee or patron from a single-sex bathroom because other employees or patrons are uncomfortable, no matter how vociferously the employees or patrons protest. Key thing to understand. We're going to get into the issues if you break any of these uh, uh, guidances. Number three, sex stereotyping. The guidance explains that discriminating against an individual because they do not conform to gender stereotypes is a form of gender discrimination. Such acts constitute treating an individually different because they do not conform to widely held stereotypes of how people of a particular gender should look, act, or dress. That is, they are insufficiently masculine or feminine. Violations of the NYCHR L based on sex stereotyping include using anti-gay or derogatory epithets when speaking to or about an individual based on their nonconformity with gender norms, or overlooking a female employee for promotion because her behavior does not conform to how the employer expects a female to behave at work. Number four, halfway through, imposing differential uniform or grooming standards based on gender. The guidance states that employers and covered entities may not require dress codes, uniforms, or grooming, or appearance standards that Denver differ based upon sex or gender. So employers and businesses cannot require that only men wear ties, that male and female wait waiters wear different uniforms, or that female employees may wear skirts or makeup. The standards differ from prior federal court decisions which have held that the different dress and grooming standards based on sex or gender are lawful if they do not impose an undue burden. Under the NYCHRL, in contrast, quote, the fact that the grooming standards or dress code differentiates based on gender is sufficient for it to be considered discriminatory, even if perceived by some as harmless, end quote. By the way, links uh, to where these quotes are from, uh, reading all this out, if you want to print it off, look at a checklist, analyze your policies, um, sources, documentation, all that's available on our website at peopleprocesses.com. Um, you're welcome to read this over if you prefer to, to take a look at it that way. Covered employers and businesses are entitled to enforce a dress code or require specific grooming or appearance standards as long as those standards do not differentiate on the basis of gender. It's a key thing to understand. Number five, providing employee benefits that discriminate based on gender. 
The NYCHRL prohibits offering benefits that discriminate on the basis of gender. Employee benefits plans that are covered by and in compliance with ERISA, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, and applicable federal anti-discrimination laws automatically comply with the NYCHRL. However, the guidance specifically states that they must that to be non-discriminatory, health benefit plans must cover transgender-related medical procedures and transition-related health care, also known as transition-related care or gender-affirming care. Employers are not, however, responsible for denial of coverage by a med- for a medical procedure by an insurance carrier if the plan itself does not discriminate. Violations of the NYCHRL related to the provision of employee benefits include offering health benefits to opposite-sex spouses of employees but not to same-sex spouses, offering health care services that provide certain procedures to others but which are not covered for transgender employees, for example, covering prostate cancer screenings for men but not for transgender women, categorically, categorically excluding them from coverage um, of health services related to gender transition or any other benefits that discriminate by gender. For example, offering childcare benefits to female but not male employees. That would be a violation. There are two more. They're a little bit shorter, but they're very, or three more, but they're very important. It's number six, considering gender when evaluating requests for accommodation. Uh, is a violation. It's unlawful under the NYCHRL to consider gender when evaluating requests for accommodations for just disabilities, changes to the terms and conditions of employment, participation in a program, or use of public accommodations. Such requested accommodations may include medical or personal leave or changes in work schedule. Violations of the NYCHRL relating to requests for accommodation include an employer refusing to honor its policy of unpaid medical leave when the request is made by a transgender employee, an employer who permits an accommodation for a cisgendered female employee to have a medically necessary reconstructive breast surgery, but refuses the same accommodation for a transgender employee undergoing the same medically necessary surgery, requesting medical documentation to verify leave time from the transgender employees, but not traditionally gendered employees, or determining the retention and accrual of benefits such as seniority and pension rights based on gender. All of those violate the NYCHRL. Discriminatory harassment or violence motivated by a person's actual or perceived gender identity or expression flat out violates the NYCHRL, so don't, you know, harassment or violence, obviously, is covered under here. That's number seven. And number eight, and this is a key one, is retaliation. The the NYCHRL prohibits an employer from retaliating against an individual for opposing discrimination or requesting a reasonable accommodation. These prohibitions apply with equal force when the discrimination complained of is gender identity discrimination or the accommodation request is based upon the individual's gender identity. Any action taken against an individual because of such request that is, quote, reasonably likely to deter them from engaging in such activities is unlawful retaliation. Unlawful retaliation includes firing or demoting an individual who files a complaint, assigning the individual to work less for desirable shifts, contrary to standard practice, failing to grant routinely provided accommodations, or refusing to advance an individual in a program because of these complaints. So those are those are the eight violations that are spelled out in the guidance. Let's talk very briefly about the penalties for discrimination based on transgender status or gender identity. So 
Employees claiming discrimination on the basis of their gender identity, gender expression, or transgender status may file a complaint of discrimination with the city commission or the state division of human rights within one year of the discriminatory conduct or file a civil lawsuit within three years. A prevailing plaintiff can recover back pay, front pay, compensatory damage, and under New York City law, reasonable attorney's fees and punitive damages. In addition, the commission can impose civil penalties of up to $125,000 for violations and up, for and up to $250,000 for violations it finds to be, quote, willful, wanton, and malicious. In assessing the civil penalty, the commission will look to several factors, including the severity of the violation, whether or not there were previous or subsequent violations, the employer's size, and its knowledge of the NYCHRL. So remember, this is what's in effect now as of January 20th. 2016 back pay front pay compensatory damages reasonable attorney fees and punitive damages plus a via a penalty civil penalty of between 100 you know up to 125,000 or 250 for particularly bad ones the new law that's just passed assembly that hasn't passed the state senate yet adds criminal charges to that right hate law hate crime law where you would go to jail that kind of thing. So this is all. What's in effect now is all civil. It's all monetary. But um, what they're trying, what they're passing now, or trying to pass now, is based on criminal law. So that's a big distinction. But it's going to be basically the same things that would trigger that criminal law. So broadly, let's talk about a recommendation for employers. Discrimination on the basis of gender identity should be treated just as seriously as any other type of unlawful discrimination. However, you feel about it. Where you fall on the political spectrum is irrelevant if you're in New York. This is a law. Employers should read both the New York State regulations and the commission guidance and review their existing policies and procedures for compliance. Employers should consider revisions to their policies, benefits programs, and handbooks to make sure they do not violate either the criminal law or the NYCHRL, the civil law. Disability accommodation policies should be reviewed to ensure that they cover medically necessary gender reassignment or transition procedures and do not exclude gender dysphoria as a disability. So take a look at those. Finally, the guidance endorses a number of actions by uh, employers to avoid each category of unlawful conduct described above, including, among other things, education programs to inform supervisors and employees of the requirements of the NYCHRL. Remember, it's not enough to have a policy. You have to show that you're enforcing it and teaching it. Employers should consider um, providing those compliance trainings on top of that to supervisors, managers, and human resources, recruiting personnel, in-house counsel, to ensure that they understand their obligations to ensure the lawful treatment of transgender employees. Further, employers must make sure that reporting procedures are available to employees so they can address questions that arise and any complaints get escalated. Make sure there's a process for that. Employers should consult experienced employment counsel to assist them in ensuring their policies, programs, and benefits do not violate the law and to provide them with the best practices for compliance going forward. Remember, I am not an attorney. This is generalized HR advice. And if you feel like you may be in violation of one of these or you want a good review, contact an employment attorney. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. I hope you've enjoyed the uh, information and, and, and listening today. I had a little bit of a cold, so I hope it wasn't too annoying for you if I, if I sound a little nasally. I so appreciate you tuning in. Um, 
this is a big deal. It's going to change. Even if you're not in New York or one of those 18 other states now, uh, it seems like it's going to be pretty much every state or possibly federal law relatively soon. So go ahead and start thinking about how this is going to be something you want to prepare for. Also, keep in mind that if you have employees, even if you're based in Tennessee or Arkansas or California, well, California is one of the states already, but and you have an employee who's in New York, you need to follow this law. Keep that in mind. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Go out there, get your work done. My name is Rami Alijil, and you have a great day.